0: subject to eligibility requirements rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park
1: when you buy Kroger brand products you feel like you're winning that's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices in fact We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone.
2: What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, Build and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibmcom consulting. IBM, let's create.
3: Hi there, I'm Zach Raff and I'm Donald Fazon. We're real life best friends but we met playing fake life best friends, Turk and JD, on the sitcom Scrubs. 20 years later, we've decided to re-watch the series one episode at a time
4: How are you? I am fine. Thank you for asking. I'm Ray Harkins. We're hanging out on 100 Words or Less, the podcast, talking to people who are involved with independent music, whether it's the creation of it, whether it's the releasing of it, whether it's the production of it. You know, as long as you're involved with this thing, I want to talk to you in some capacity. And the guest this week is Patrick Miranda. He's the vocalist for a band called Movements, who is a part of the, I don't know, you know, I call it like, you know, new wave of post hardcore. Um, you know, not, not too dissimilar to balance and composure, except maybe a little more polished, a little more pop. Uh, it's really, really good stuff. And, uh, I was excited to have him on the show because I felt like movements kind of snuck up on me real quick. It made me feel old because all of a sudden I was like, wow, I'm hearing this band's name like all over the place. And I did not know that they were from orange County. And then, uh, once I kind of made that connection, I was like, man, I, I feel like I just totally missed the boat, but we dive into that with Patrick, and it was a great conversation because, uh, yeah, he just he's he's an interesting guy, and he uh, put his his whole being into trying to uh, you know like be in a band and do that, and you know his journey was very interesting. So more on him in a couple of minutes, but uh, I my band my band Taken is coming to New York City and Boston in November. So we're playing uh, Boston on the 8th of November and New York City on the 9th at the Kingsland Tavern or the Kingsland, if I'm not mistaken. You can find it pretty easily. And then we're also playing at the, uh, the St. Clair, I think in Boston, I'm probably butchering that, but you can easily Google it and find it out. Um, but I would love to see you because, uh, I can't tell you the next time that taken is going to come to the East coast. Uh, it's definitely not going to be in the next five years. I can tell you that, but, um, yeah, let's make a, let's make an evening of it. It'll be fun. And if you listen to the podcast and, uh, you know, you want to say what's up, please give me a high five and be like, yo, I like the podcast. Or maybe you're like, Hey, I hate the podcast. I listen to it unwillingly <laughs> or I don't know, but, uh, yeah, Come on, come on out! It's it's gonna be fun. Early November, just just to do that. Okay, Google it. You can find it. You're smart. You're downloading a podcast. Um, I also went on a string of pretty incredible shows. Of, you know, in early September, I saw. You know, this is in like a week and a half long period. Boney Bear, the National, and Explosions in the Sky, all at different venues. You know, a couple of them. Let's see. Boney Vare was at the Forum in Los Angeles. The National was at the Greek Theater um, in Los Angeles as well, and then Explosions in the Sky was uh, here in Orange County. And each one of them was just unbelievable because, you know, you're, you're talking about bands and artists that are firing off of so many years of experience and, you know, have been honing their craft for such a long period of time. And then frankly, to look at the huge scale of production and how much they, the effort they put into the presentation of their music to people, um, in these huge venues. I mean, the explosions, in the sky one was a little bit smaller, but, you know, when you talking about the Greek theater and the form, these are huge, huge spaces. So I loved every single one of them and I just felt, um, frankly moved by every single one of those experiences and uh just it's music man it just really it's soothing for the soul isn't it like you're having a bad day boom dive into a record or go to a show and all of a sudden it's like you know what like that that, you know it's not that bad okay um yeah so uh, hopefully you are maybe this podcast does that to you maybe you're looking forward to wednesdays when i publish it and you're like okay this day will be you know a little bit easier to kind of put my head down and, and push through it and if that is i am so excited about that Um, you can always email the show 100 words podcast at gmail.com because I've been getting a lot of feedback recently and I love to hear from you and I will undoubtedly respond to you in some capacity at some point. So that's my promise to you. Um, yeah, like I said, Patrick plays in a band called movements, uh, is a hardcore kid. We talked a lot about that. Uh, we talked a lot about, um, you know, his, his upbringing, his, uh, focus on trying to make the band a thing. And, uh, yeah, that's what he's doing right now. So he's, uh, he's in, he's in the middle of it and he came over and we had a great chat. So, That's what I'm going to share with you right now. And then please stay tuned after the episode because I will be announcing something super, super fun for the month of October. So here's Patrick, and I'll talk to you after the episode is over. Movements came across my sort of general radar, where someone was just like, "Oh yeah, there's this band from Orange County. That pretty much sounds like Balance and Composure. Like you should check it out. You really like Balance." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, like I'll, I'll listen to that." And it, I felt this weird uh, tinge of uh, like aging because it's one of those things where it's like, you whatever. I'm 38 years old and like been obviously paying attention to punk and hardcore for quite some time. And like right. when a band kind of pops up that I haven't seen on like flyers or like playing chain where I'm like, oh, oh yeah. Like I've seen their name around. Mm. Like it felt like movements came out of left field for where I was just like, oh, oh, am I, am I like super old and not out of touch? Like yeah. it was one of those like instinctual things where I'm just like, oh, oh, so this is what the kids are listening to. Even though like the moment that I listened to movements, I was like, oh, cool. Like I see where you're coming from. Like it's different. Like that's not, you know, a complete carbon copy, even right. though. People could obviously make shots at that, <laughs> right? But and they have. <laughs> I, I can only imagine. <laughs> and so, it, it, this this may be a big question to start it off with. But it's like usually people that kind of have that sort of trajectory where it's just like you know whatever. Oh, you got signed after a couple shows, and like all this stuff is happening like you know mm-hmm. quickly. Do you feel like you are constantly? And I, I don't say constantly like every morning you wake up or you're like, all right, I got to prove myself today. But like. To have those sort of like expectations thrust on you, where
5: you're just like, I just want to put together a band, like, yeah, I mean, there, there's, I think that's the thing is like, and I say this a lot in interviews, like, none of us ever expected our band to be where we are, or or even even have gotten half of the exposure that we've gotten, right? You know, so, um, yeah, I mean, like, we started off playing chain, well, so our first show ever was at Chain, it was with Have Mercy, um. Shit, I don't even remember who else was on that show, but it was with Have Mercy. Second show was at Chain. We opened for Balance. Third show ever was at the Observatory opening for Basement. Like, we just somehow got on like three big shows right off the bat. Right. And that mixed with, um, you know, us wanting to really hit the ground running as far as like getting content out and like pushing our name because we knew like, okay, this could be something that we. Could actually end up doing really well with. So, Mm -hmm. we want to be as serious as possible about it. Um, So, we had like this whole plan, you know, going into it like, this is what we're going to do for our social media stuff. Like, we're going to get a music video recorded. We're going to do all this stuff. We're going to like promote it as much as we can, blah, 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 blah. Got on shows. And then, you know, obviously things picked up right away, which was amazing. But we are very understanding of the fact that that is a super rare thing because there are bands that grind it out for so long, you know? Um, And I think for a little while, There was actually a little bit of, and I still feel it sometimes, but a little bit of, I guess, judgment from some of the other local Orange County bands, you know, because we didn't do the whole DIY thing, you know, like we kind of hit the ground, like I said, we hit the ground running and not only did we hit the ground running, but we hit the ground basically signed. So of it was like, we just had to kind of go with it. Um, but obviously, you know, that was like a, an opportunity that we didn't want to pass up. Right, so. right. No, you're
4: like, no, like, yeah, let's let's do this for two years and then we'll come back. Right, soon. yeah. Right, 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 no, right. It's
5: like, we got the offer. We're like, fuck, yeah. we right. like, of course we want to do this. So right. um, yeah, there was, there was a little bit of pressure on us because we felt like, well, fuck, you know, I don't know if we've really if people think are you know that we haven't paid our dues of right course. like um, I think there's a lot of sort of respect that goes into bands that you know really make it a grind for a long time before they get noticed. And um for us we were kind of like, well shit, I wonder if people are gonna think that we're fake, you know, just that posers, hey, yeah, that yeah, we're totally. not that we're not really in this. But the reality of the situation was that we've all been, you know, we've grown up in, in the Orange County scene for our whole lives, you know, and uh, I've been going to shows at Chain and, and in the area since I was like thirteen, you know. Sure. So I've been around it and just because the first band that I was ever in happened to, you know, be like, successful, right. you know, doesn't mean that I didn't like pay. My dues in our scene, which is, um, you know, an, an interesting point, I guess, to make. But uh, yeah, it was it was a little nerve wracking going from a band that was not really even ever a local band to immediately being a signed band and touring the country, national exposure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, on the other hand of things, it's like. Sure, we maybe didn't grind it out in our hometown for as long as we could have, mm-hmm. or as long as some of the other bands had. Um, but we really did grind it out when it came to touring. You sure, know? and like that was like you know our first three or four tours that we ever did. We were opening for probably I don't know fifty bucks a night. You of know, course. playing to anywhere from you know 11 to 30 kids and yeah. i you know like really small shows and and we did that and we were happy to do that for 2 years you know sure. we until we got our first big tour which was uh with this band Pierce the Veil in yep. in uh, i think that was like 2016 um maybe even yeah i think that was 2016 yeah but uh yeah so it was weird man like it, it it's like it was scary not really having a a huge foundation at home, although we did have a pretty decent following, just as far as like our friends, go friends and friends, right, right, and right. we had a big presence at least you know at our hometown shows because of that. But um, yeah, man, it was it was a little gnarly just kind of being thrust into it all and sort of trying to find our footing. So- right, right. It's
4: like it's kind of like the because I mean most people would look at the scenario like because because I think the the picking apart one thing that you said in there where it's just like you know you had a very concerted plan and effort going into right. it. Which, you know, some people can view as like this this cold and calculating thing where it's just like, oh, like I mean, this is obviously an extreme example, but it's just like, oh, like a boy band. Like obviously like it's like, oh yeah, put these people together and like do this thing. Like clearly that is not like right. you were actually friends. Like this yeah. was, there was a lot of there's there was purity attached to it. It's not like you were just like this Svengali putting all these <laughs> things in motion or like, all right, we're gonna capture the kids' attention. But like you had a very specific uh vision of how you wanted to do this thing right. and whether or not it was successful or not like that it wasn't it wasn't mutually exclusive right one thing was just like i wanted to take this seriously so this is what we wanted to do as opposed to like oh i think if we do this we will get big right like because that then i think that's where i mean you know since the dawn of independent music and like the idea of selling out and all that stuff exists like obviously that doesn't that concept doesn't really exist anymore but just the idea of a a genuine approach right. to being creative yeah. i think that's what most people have like those reservations attached to it. It was just like, does this pass the smell test? Like, are they, you know, are these like the, are these real humans? You know? Right. <laughs> exactly. I, and I, I think that's what you were, you know, like why you mentioned the fact where it's like, well, yeah, like, you know, like I was going to shows like, it wasn't like I had just discovered you know, balance and composure six months prior, and they're like, you know what, I want to start a band that sounds exactly,
5: yeah. We weren't we weren't trying to do anything just because it was the flavor of the month. It was stuff right. that we were, you know, genuinely interested in, and of that course. we were that we were so about, you know, right, right, and and it just so happened that we ended up like becoming, <laughs> I guess, that next thing, whatever, Sure, so. <laughs> right, right, right,
4: and it, and it's not, and just and to completely, you know, whatever, agree with you, the idea that it's like when these opportunities are presented to you, like I don't care if it's one. Five seven years into a band, like you have to pursue these opportunities right. at that particular moment. Yeah. You can't be like, Oh, like we'll press pause on this or whatever. And it's like, I mean, some opportunities, like when you have more of a perspective as you get older or whatever, yeah. like, yes, you can maybe deflect some of those, but it's like, you know, first three years of the band, you're just like, I don't know. <laughs> I guess we'll do this. Yeah,
5: totally.
3: <laughs> we'll see if this works.
4: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so you, you yourself, bought like,
5: cause you, I know you live in Los Angeles now.
3: Yeah, but
4: you
5: born and raised in Rancho
4: Santa. Margarita? Yeah, born and
5: raised. I I was born at the Mission Viejo Hospital. Sure. Um, and then uh, yeah, I lived in Rancho San Margarita for most of my life. I mean, I lived in RSM proper until I was like five or six, and then we moved to Los Flores. If you know where that is, oh, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. right in between Rancho and like Ladera. Technically, it's still considered Rancho yeah. because it's so small that like it doesn't even have its own postal code. Right. So it's like. On all of our like mail and stuff, it still says Rancho Santa Margarita, but it's just like a small little city called Los Flores. But right, right, um, yeah, I lived there until I was nineteen, and then I went to college in Ventura, so I was like up in the eight hundred five for a little while, okay, um, and then moved back down to Huntington, up to L.A. and I'm back in LA. L.A. Yeah, Rancho Santa Margarita is a really
4: like I mean I've essentially been in Orange County, like Newport Beach and Huntington, whatever. Yeah. Rancho has always been this just bizarre. bro. It's it, it, it's such a weird, because it's like, obviously it has a sort of, not sort of, it has like a coastal community vibe. and mm-hmm. Obviously it's all, you know, sort of cookie cutter suburban. I mean, yeah. all of Orange County is, let's be honest. Truly. <laughs> but Rancho is this weird enclave where it's just like, yeah, it's in the mountains. Like you can hike like pretty quickly.
5: Yeah, like, dude, it's kind of out in the sticks, man. It really is. Like, yeah. like Rancho, I always tell people like, Rancho Santa Margarita is sort of like the equivalent of being from a small town while still living in a massive like metropolitan area. You know sure, what I that's mean? That's true. That's like, I never thought about it in those terms because yeah. it's because it's like I mean it's like thirty minutes from the nearest freeway, so you like really have to trek to get out there. Yep. Um, it's pretty small, you know, like mm-hmm. like. Every single time I go back to, like, the Mission Viejo Mall, like, yeah. no matter what, I will see at least three people that I know or that I went to high school high with school or whatever. Sure. Like, like, That's just, like, how it is. Like, everybody kind of, like, knows each other. It's, sure. like, a pretty small, tight-knit community. Um. So, yeah, it's, like, weird because it's, it's, you know, you're in this huge area, you know, the Southern California, Orange County, greater, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, we're still here, but it's, like, it's so weird because it's so secluded. Totally. Um, but yeah, man, I, I really do love uh, Rancho and I, I really like, I'm very fortunate to be from where I'm from just mm-hmm. because it's like so beautiful there. It is. Um, but yeah, man, it's it's definitely out there. And and most of the time when I say like, oh yeah, I'm from RSM, people are like, where the what is fuck yeah. is that? Like, what? Is that even Totally, like here? And I'm like, right. well, yeah. No, is that Central here. California? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Because
4: I mo- like, yeah, there are certain cities where it's just like, like Midway City is another one. One, mm-hmm. which is like it's like yeah. it's like it's, someone told me they're like oh yeah I live in Midway City I was like what the hell is that and i yeah. like oh it's right next to Garden Grove and I was like oh why the hell are they calling this Midway City yeah, <laughs> like, what the hell I mean Rancho is obviously a completely different story totally. but it's just like you find all these weird pockets and you're just like why are you even classifying this as yeah. such but like yeah probably like the Lost Florist where it's just like why are you exactly. really calling it something different? Like it's yeah. technically Rancho's Margarita. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so what was your family structure like? Do you have brothers and sisters?
5: Yeah. So, um, I have two half sisters who are much older than me Okay. Uh, and they, they were already like off, like having their own families and stuff when I was growing up. But I have one sister who is my full sister and uh, okay. she and I grew up, she's only two years older than me. So she and I grew up like pretty close together. Mm-hmm. Um, And then, yeah, my mom and dad, uh, my mom and dad are still together. Like, I'm not a product of divorce, which I'm very, very fortunate to to say. Absolutely. Um, But yeah, so you know, we just kind of lived in a little suburban area for my whole life. Um, My mom is like really, really into music and. My sister's like very much into like dancing and like musical theater type stuff. Okay, um, but my dad's like a business guy, so like uh, so it was finance, like lawyer. Or he, what sort of? He was a, he was a software engineer oh, for okay, like thirty it. years. Like, nice. like you know, um, he worked for like this packaging company. You know, this like when you go to the store and you buy like. I don't know, something that's like in a plastic package and it has like those edges where like you can't open it like just with your hands. You have to cut it. You have to cut it. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sealed, right, right. That's essentially like what my dad's company like manufactured. Okay. Like they would like make her medically sealed shield package. Yeah, okay. they would make packaging for products and my dad wrote all the software that would would, would make automate these it. things. Wow. Yeah, so he did that um commuted from Rancho San Margarita to South Central LA every single day for like 25 years. It was like that's insane. A grind. Yeah. Yeah, 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 really really insane. Um but gave was your was your mom working or she's at home with you guys? She was at home with us until I was maybe like in like first or second grade. Okay. And then she started working part time and then um got it. Yeah, then she would like pick us up from school and shit. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was cool, man. We had like a really, a really tight knit family growing up, which was awesome until I mean until I was like in my teenage years. And that's when I started having like issues with my dad. And that's what sparked a lot of like the early movement stuff. <laughs> so of course. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean overall, I mean it was sick, man. I'm like I said, I'm so fortunate to have grown up in Rancho Santa Margarita. Like sure. it, it wasn't it's funny. Like when I was younger, I would always tell myself like, Oh, I just want to get out of here. Like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you get so sick. You get so jaded of like where you're from. And you're just like, I just want to move somewhere. I remember like, being like, fuck, I'm just going to move to New York City when I turn 18. Like, oh, that's where okay. I wanted to go. I just wanted to be in New York City. Sure, in the Something middle of it all. Yeah, I just wanted to be there, you know? <laughs> and it wasn't until I started touring, well, I mean, when I turned 18, I was like, there's no fucking way I could <laughs> afford living in New York City. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. then, you know, what was interesting is when I started touring and, and I saw the rest of the country and I realized how good I had it, how privileged I've been my entire life to have lived and grown up in such a, an amazing place where I've had so much um You know Opportunity and whatnot And and I've seen How other places You know That just don't have That same You know Vibe That same feeling Right And that same privilege It's like Damn, dude! It makes me really, really appreciate Orange <sighs> County. Totally, totally. Know, so.
4: Were you a uh, Were you a sports kid as well? Were you like doing youth soccer? Yeah, I or yeah. was.
5: Uh, I was like a nerdy, like sure. loser, like emo kid. Like that was yeah. that was my vibe growing up. Like I, 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 had a couple friends, but I was always kind of like more of like a like a loner, outcast type kid. Okay. Um, And yeah, I played a lot of video games. Like, didn't like sports at all. My dad tried to get me into sports, and I just fucking hated. it. Yeah, not interested. Not interested at all. I only wanted to like play video games. And like, were you
4: were you like, and were you? um, I guess because I mean, sometimes like you, I guess get comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. Like, was there that desire to be like, like, oh, I like video games, and like it's cool if people come over and like play them with me. But like, you were you totally content just being like? Yo, give me some slices of pizza and I'm just gonna hang out video games.
5: Yeah, pretty much. Like I like there'd be times I remember like when my friends who like lived on my street or whatever would come knocking on the door and, and my mom would be like like answer the door and like be like, Hey, like whoever wants to like know if you can come outside and play and I'd be like yeah no, I'm good. Right, and I'm just like I'm busy. Tony Pro, huh? yeah, yeah, playing like Tony Hawk Pro Skater or like fucking RuneScape or something. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, like I'm just the no. Middle of a campaign. Can't can't, can't do it. Yeah. Sorry. So that was that was me growing up, and then uh, yeah, as I got a little bit older, like into middle school and whatnot, I, I still liked video games. I was big on World of Warcraft, like of when of I was course. a teenager and stuff. Um, and that's like when I started to discover more, like of this world of music, too. Uh-huh. And so I kind of dove headfirst into that and went through, like, a scene phase. How did that
4: get, get introduced to you? MySpace. Beautiful. Was so, like, just you were just, strictly you were just existing on MySpace yeah. and then all of a sudden all
5: these bands started Straight to, up, yeah. No, that's... Because okay. until I was, like, maybe... 12 or 13 like i didn't really have a music taste like i didn't really know anything about music other than what was played in the radio yeah what my mom and dad played on the radio which was 60s oldies stuff which i love because i grew up on it i I fucking love oldies now (laughs) yeah yeah um and whatever my sister was listening to which was usually musical theater okay so i listened to a lot of show tunes sure um yeah i liked the stuff that my mom and dad played um I randomly loved Hilary Duff. Like, (laughs) so like that was like my music taste back then. Like I didn't, it was just sort of like random and whatever. It was was, was
4: probably like most kids where it's just like that stuff is like on in the background. Yeah. Because it's like, especially too with like most parents and like, you know, siblings are a different story, but most parents, it's like music is not a you know, music is something that exists, but it's not right. something that they're like, yo, Pat, you got
5: to check out this record. Like, yeah. So
4: do that straight up. And so it's like, yeah, that stuff just exists in the exactly uh, you know, on the side.
5: And there were, there were a couple like mm-hmm. bands that I kind of knew of, but I didn't really understand that there was like a scene attached to them. Like, oh, yeah. uh, I had an older cousin who listened to like, uh, like good Charlotte and, okay, you know, yeah, yeah. and I remember one time he was staying at our house and like he was still asleep and I went and like I snuck and like I grabbed his little uh Walkman oh, you know yeah, yeah. and it had um it had a good Charlotte album in it that first one that they put out I can't sure. remember the name of I it I think right it's now. self-titled yeah, yeah sure. but so so I started listening to that and I was like oh my god this is so cool like yeah dang this is sick and like that was my first like experience ever listening to like any sort of anything related to punk music you right know? um but yeah it wasn't until like I was 12 or 13 when I first got MySpace and I started to go through like the discovery, like section or whatever, like the music section. Cause back then that was how everybody like got their music line. out totally. there, you know, like MySpace music was the biggest thing top possible eights, profile. Yeah. yeah. All of that was huge. So I would like go through like the different genres, you okay. know? And, uh, I think back then there was like a screamo, like proportion of the, that genre. And then there was like metal and uh, punk genre. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm just going to go through every single one of these top artists on these genre lists and see who I like. Um, and from there, I mean, I started listening to like under oath, um, right. red jumpsuit apparatus, was like a big one for me. Absolutely, Senses sure. fail. Um, you know, the, just like the typical like introductory bands, I guess, mm-hmm. and that really got me into that sort of vibe. And I was just like, yeah, like, like I said, I dove head first. I went through like a whole scene phase. Like sure. I was just like the the emo kid who just like had like the long fringe and wore tight black pants and listened to screaming music all the of time. Well,
4: once you started to, because I, I mean, I really appreciate you walking me through that story because I think it's like it's really really easy for people to look at their own musical discovery as being kind of like, like, Oh, this is how everybody finds out about Mm -hmm. their things. And it's just like, obviously over time, like, you know, there's different, there's millions of different iterations on how people discover music. And so like hearing that, where it's just like, that is incredibly valuable. And that's how, that's how so many kids that are obviously of your age and, you know, whatever, four years younger and four years older. It's like, that's the section in which that's, you know, like you weren't listening. I mean, you had K rock and obviously kind of ostensibly being able to sprinkle some stuff in there. Yeah. But the idea of like I'm listening to stuff that is not on the radio. Mm-hmm. It's getting piped in via the internet. Like I can see all these bands and see that all these songs have massive amounts of streams and then right. and then also being able to visually attach to it where it's just like, oh dude, Chris Dudley looks so cool on the keyboards. Like you just start to exactly. piece all of it together. Yeah. And that's so cool.
5: Yeah, man. It, that was that was very much how it all happened. It's like just it, I guess like Experiencing all of that in one place, you know, right. right? And like you said, you know, being able to base everything off of it, like my clothing choices, Absolutely. And, and how I looked and how I wanted to present myself, like it all became a very, like, it was your
4: identity. At exactly. That point. You're like, exactly. I am buying into this uh, musically, aesthetically. I'm going to, you know, I mean, that, yeah. and that is really when most kids feel like they obviously have their first sense of agency, yeah, where you're making a deliberate decision to do this thing and like, whatever anybody else says, like, D- doesn't matter, man. I'm going to look like this. I'm going to yeah. wear these things. I'm, I'm going to, you know, wear baggy pants or more tight. It doesn't matter. Like yeah. you're making that choice for yourself. Totally. And then you feel cool.
5: Yeah. I mean, I mean, I w- no, I mean <laughs> when
4: I say cool, I mean like you feel cool in the sense of you're like, I am doing this because I, yeah, feel like- I felt good about myself. Exactly. Like, that's right. what
5: I wanted to do. Yeah, I definitely, cool, yeah. <laughs> I lost some friends because of it. I was, I had like the asshole friends who were like, why the heck are you wearing jeans that my sister would wear? Okay, I was just like, sure. I don't know, because they look cool. Like, yeah, shut up! I'm into like, yeah, because yeah, yeah. I like it. <laughs> and I don't know, and so I definitely got a lot of shit for it. I, like I said, I was still like kind of an outcast and stuff. But then I started hanging out with like the few other sort of emo kids at my sure. school, and then it became you know like our little community, right? And the crew, yeah, yeah the exactly. emo Jason crew, exactly. Right, right. It's <laughs> exactly. Like,
4: and then you start, then you you're, you're taking that online discovery, and then you're. Taking it offline, and you're actually able to have those discussions with people to be like, Oh, did you listen to this? And then yeah. you start to have that communal vibe that obviously, because so many people just look at the experience of music discovery on the internet and are just like, Oh, like, you know, it's, like, it's so easy to find out all this stuff. And it's like, Well, yeah, but that also means like you have to sort through, like, it, it's, you know, you're drinking from a fire hose. Right. It's like, Yeah, you had these charts to kind of indicate what you should be into, but at the same time, you had to do the work. Mm-hmm. You had to sit there and listen to the hundred bands or whatever, and it's just like that. Still
5: is work. It's different than like looking at thank you lists in the eighties or whatever. Right. Like, yeah, but
4: it's still work.
5: Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, no. I mean, I I can't even tell you how many hours I put into just going through MySpace and trying to figure out, yeah, like who I liked and what the best you know bands in those sub sub-genre, genres were, you know, or or at least the ones who were getting like the most attention and whatnot. And, totally. Yeah, it was. It was crazy.
4: (laughs) And then you also have, then you start to like, you know, once you've been into it for a little bit, then you start to get into the sort of one-upsmanship of like, oh, I'm discovering this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We're sitting here. It's like June and you're like, where has the time gone?
1: And everybody's like, oh my gosh, I have no idea. I got to like accomplish all these other things. Take a moment, focus on the things that obviously for one matter to you, but for two, look back, be like, what have I done? Well, what have I done? Not so well. And maybe I can, you know, ask some friends and family for some help. But where I have always gone to in regards to figuring out what I can do better, therapy. Therapy is an incredible tool at your arsenal that you can dip into. I've done it for my marriage. I've done it for myself personally. And I'm a huge advocate for what therapy can do for you because it is a third party that's able to look at what you can do to improve your life. And be a person to help you along in your journey. And so I think if you were thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and entirely suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire. You get matched with licensed therapist. And then boom, you're done. It's great. And then if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch it at no additional cost. So take a moment, reflect on the things you've done, reflect on the things you want to do, and visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp, hel dot slash Ray.
2: bring this band like second and third tier deep like
4: you know you start to be like oh dude have you heard heavy heavy lolo and people like what no what's that like and then you start to just like blow your friends minds by being like yeah I'm doing a lot of internet research yeah
5: dude that's so funny about because literally heavy heavy lolo was one of those bands that I found like randomly on YouTube I think (laughs) because I was like I went down a rabbit hole you know and like that was just one of the related videos and I fucking love that band they're so sick totally totally Yeah.
4: yeah you just and I I, yeah, I just really, I, I love that process because it's different than people from different generations, but at the same time, it's still just as impactful and just as important. Yeah. So it's like, I, yeah, I just, I really like that. Hell yeah. Oh boy. I get to talk to you about Sonos and how amazing of a company they are. So if you have not heard of Sonos, go to their website right now, sonos.com. You can check out the coolest speakers around, not only aesthetically, but sonically and how much attention to detail they put into the ease of use, how they fit into your home, apartment, outdoor living. It is the best. I've got three of their speakers, one connected to my TV, one in my living room, one in my son's room. I have their vinyl kit on the way. And honestly, from the moment that it hits your doorstep, within 10 minutes, you will have that sound system set up, dialed into your Wi-Fi, playing whatever music you want through their incredibly sound, incredible sounding speakers. Like I get so excited about it because every time I tell somebody about this and then I show them at the house, it's just like, whoa, whoa, that's really cool. Like I, I, I like how easy that is. And it's like, I can set up their phone <laughs> to play their music via my Sonos system. It's so, so cool. And did you know that they just came out with a new portable speaker called the Sonos move? It's battery powered. You can take it indoors, outdoors. It's so cool. And it has the same high quality sound that they are known for. Sonos just blows my mind. What I want to do is I want to like live in their factory for like a week just to kind of check out the operation. It's located in Santa Barbara, which is it's only about two hours away. So Sonos, go ahead and give me an invite. I I, I'm waiting with bated breath. Okay. Like I'll come work for you or something. (laughs) anyways, Sonos is the best. Go to their website, sonos.com and learn about their entire line of speakers and they will get you dialed in. No matter if you lived in a house, apartment, anything, they will make your music life that much better. And frankly, life. So anyways, thank you, Sonos. And here's the rest of the show. Like, as you started to really kind of, you know, get entrenched with the scene and understand like what local shows were and start Mm -hmm. to get involved with that. Did you immediately get taken by the idea? Like, Y'all I gotta play in a band in some capacity.
5: Yeah, I definitely like that was something that I really, really wanted to do, but I also had like little to no experience as far as like what um, you know what being in a band or what playing an instrument really like was, you know? Like like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like I, I had an acoustic guitar. Okay. Um and I I was like in love with like never shout never, you know? Oh, like of course. and so like that's all I would play is like fun acoustic stuff or whatever. And sure. like um but Yeah, I was like, as I got more and more involved in the scene, like I would go. um, It's funny, there used to be this little tiny venue in RSM. It was just a church, okay, uh, but they would host hardcore shows and hardcore. I put in air quotes because it's it wasn't really hardcore. It was loud and aggressive by the church's standards. Yeah, it, Yeah. it, it, it was a lot of like. a a lot of like the synchronized jumping like metalcore bands you know (laughs) that was a big thing um so yeah we would go like every weekend we'd go to shows there and, and see like just local bands play yeah yeah and i remember just being like so enthralled by that being like oh my god and like i have this specific memory of like looking at um one of the i think it was like the bass player of one of these local bands had like you know he had his cab and he had like a little uh like a fucking rack with like the, oh, yeah. the tuner the in tuner. it and like oh, and like all this shit and then like the head. And I was like, I don't even know what any of that is. Yeah, like yeah. that's like, that it was, was professional though. Yeah. Like- it was so like beyond my understanding of yeah. music at that point. I was just sure. like, what is this? You know? <laughs> totally. Um, but it, it, it made me so intrigued that like I started to want to, you know, be a part of that. And yeah. um, when I was like a freshman in high school, actually, I, uh, I met Austin, our bass player now. Okay. Um, he and I went to high school together. And he was like one of the other kids who liked all the music that I liked. Um, and we were like, whoa, like, let's just like start playing music or whatever. And I would go over to his house and he had like a couple amps and like some like little shitty like strats and whatever. Sure, and, totally. and we would just like fuck around and, and play music. And we started this very unofficial, like easy core type okay. weird garage band that never excuse me, never yeah. did anything, you know, like we, sure. the one show or I think we played maybe two or three shows, but the biggest show we played was like the race for the cure in oh. RSM, you know, <laughs> like totally, <laughs> or, or, yeah, yeah, like yeah. The, or some I, local community. I think that, it was, right? it was relay for life is oh, what it's yeah, called. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah, like, yeah. you know, like people like walking around, like raising money for cancer. I was like, yeah, let's go play. I think like, it's so funny, but that is um, yeah, so like that's kind of how I got my start into like What I wanted to do, as far as like playing music goes, because I saw these local bands and I saw like these heavier bands playing. I was like, I want to try that. Yeah, you know, this this is
4: I want to take a step towards this. Exactly. Were you? Correct me if I'm wrong. And this is this could this is pure conjecture. I heard either a friend or friend. Like, were you a choir kid? I was.
5: Okay. Yeah. So
4: you that was something like you had already obviously been able to like express yourself vocally. Mm-hmm. And were you singing at your church, your school? Like, yeah,
5: so I was just in choir at school. And that's okay. actually where I met Austin because Austin oh, okay. was also in choir. Um, that's but awesome. Yeah, man, we um so I went to Tesoro High School okay. and uh, the choir teacher over there his name's Keith Hancock and he's like straight up like the best teacher I've ever had in my entire life. Like he's been one of the most influential people for my music career. Like, and just for my life, like period. Like he's just, he's awesome. Um, everybody who has him as a teacher, just like, Knows that he's just like this really really special dude. He won um, a music educator's Grammy like two years ago just because he's that great. Like, wow, that's
4: incredible. Yeah, he's. I like, never even knew that that
5: was a thing. But yeah, it was, it yeah. The Grammys every year they have like a a, te- a music educator of the year award, and wow. it's like it's a Grammy, and and sure. it, it goes to one music ed- educator from the United States, or maybe it might even be a global thing, but pretty sure it's the United States thing.
3: Sure. Um,
5: and yeah, he won a couple years ago, and that's he's incredible. just he's such a fucking and rad dude, and yeah. um, but yeah. So I got involved in choir because my sister was in choir. Sure theater, like, you got to. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, "Yeah, I like to sing. I think I have an okay voice." And so I went and tried out, and and I got in, and, and just started singing. And, and what that was what like, register were you? Alto? Were you I t- started as a baritone. Okay. Yeah. Um. When I was going through puberty, my 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 vocal range was nothing. <laughs> like, I I could barely <laughs> sing. You yeah. know, I had like maybe an octave, okay. maybe. You know? Yeah. So I was just a baritone, like sure. just kept it real low for the most part. Um. And, uh, yeah, like I, I got my start there and and started kind of becoming a little bit more classically trained. And as I went on in choir, I started to realize how much I really loved it and how much I, um, looked at choir as more of more of like a family than anything, you know, like a a lot of the choir kids were also kind of outcasts or, Mm -hmm. or whatever. But at the same time, like there was a handful of like the popular kids in choir and it didn't matter what sector of the school that you came from, like in choir, you were all family, like all that equal. was that yeah, was yeah. all equal. Like you were all just there together doing it. And
4: well, I'm guessing around that time too. That was obviously like when Glee
5: the television. Yeah, started. no, that was like prime Glee time. Like right, it started I think when I was a freshman and ended probably when I was like just leaving high school. Right. Yeah, right.
4: and it's just just that idea. It's like and it, you know whatever band gets also cast under the same light mm. in high school where it's just like it's this very it's, you know, it's, it's a level playing field. Yeah. Whereas like, you know, sports, obviously there's a much different structure there. Totally. But with, you know, choir, band, all that stuff, it's just like, you're like, like you said, we're all just in this together because of like, we like this. Totally. Like we don't care about outside people's opinions and popular kids do and whatever. It's like, we're all doing this. That's really cool that you were able to have that like communal
5: experience. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's exactly what it was. It was just, it was a community that I, I was just so stoked to be involved with, you know, and, 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 Just so happy to have a place where I could feel like accepted and, and like welcomed and, and whatnot. So um yeah, it was it was really, really good for me. I think that choir was really the only thing that kind of kept me in school because uh, I hated school. I fucking hated school, man. It was horrible. were you
4: like a were you like a D and C student? Were you like a
5: functional yeah, I, was B? Like, I was like a, <laughs> a a low B C student. Got I was it. like that was just coasting. Yeah, just coasting. Definitely failed a couple classes, but like not like not to the point where they would have kicked me. Me out just sure. like not great at school. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I, I fucking hated it. My senior year, I actually ended up doing um an independent study program because I was to just like, out. I don't, I don't want to be here anymore. So yeah, yeah. I left and and did like independent study my senior year of high school, which was actually really sick because w- how it worked is like we focused on one subject for like six weeks at a time. Okay. So yeah. I was only focusing. I only had to focus on one thing. Right. And then I'd only go to school like three times a week, and the only like so. The only class I took at school was choir. And then my independent study class I had once a week for 45 minutes on like Tuesdays or whatever. That's great. Yeah, it was sick. And then my whole, like the last six weeks of my senior year, Uh my only class was... Art like that was my elective, or in my independent yeah. study was art. So my only homework was just to draw, yeah. and I was like at that point getting really into like tattoo flash and stuff. So I would just like draw and paint flash sheets every week, and that was what I turned in for my homework. It was so sick, dude. That's incredible. Yo, yeah, it was. It was you, like the best experience. It's like you're watching all your all your friends. And you're just be like, God, you guys are really grinding this out. Like, <laughs> I'm just hanging out here drawing just, flash. Sheets. yeah literally just drawing. That was my only homework. <laughs> it was so badass. That's incredible. Um, but yeah, dude. Like I said, like if it weren't for choir, I probably would have like left that high school and and either done a continuation school or just strictly done like only like homeschool, independent study type stuff. And yeah, um, yeah, I wanted to stick around just because it was such an important thing to me. So yeah, you felt connected.
4: Um, So I presume because you were obviously entrenched in music and you you the the idea of like wanting to pursue a band, I presume there was no like. Oh man, like I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna do this for a career. Like you, you had no path.
5: Yeah, no, totally. I mean, even like at the end of my senior year, like when I was getting ready to graduate, I was like, "Well, fuck! Like I really wish I could do something with music after high school, but I don't think I'm going to." You know, by that time, Austin had already graduated uh, because he's a couple years older than me, and like our little garage band that was horrible, obviously never did anything. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so I was kind of just like, well. I guess I'll have to find something else to do. And, and sure. I, uh, while I was in high school, actually I, I became really into like photography okay. and um, like video production and stuff. Got it. Uh, and so I actually decided to go to school for visual journalism. And that's when you was, went
4: out to Ventura. Yeah, that's when
5: I went to Ventura. I went to a school called the Brooks Institute. Oh, it's yeah, like yeah, a, yeah, yeah um, Just like specialized in like uh, documentary film, photography, uh, graphic design, that sort of stuff. Just an arts college. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. So yeah, I did that. Um, but I was only there for like a year because I started to realize like I didn't like I didn't love it the way I loved music. You right, know, like right. and it was interesting. I loved the things that I was learning and, and I, I liked making documentaries and stuff. But I was just like, I'm being called to do something else. And like I really need to just like it doesn't speak to it. me in this. Right. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I dropped out of college and then. Was like fuck it. I'm gonna go in and try and start a band. And if I, you know, if actually it, it was, is really funny. My stepbrother, um, he gave me some great advice because I was living with him when I was in Ventura. That's what oh, okay, got it. Uh, he and my oldest sister, um, and he gave me some great advice. He was like, you know what, dude? Like, you're young. You know, if you're gonna fuck up, fuck yeah, up now. now right? <laughs> because you're gonna regret it if you don't later down the line. You Absolutely. Know? And, and it's better to fuck up now while you have time to have a different path than to be 30 years old and then be like, well, I'm going to try and do this and then fail, you know, like, of course. So, yeah, I was like, "All right, I'm going to do it," and so I moved home, and that's when we started the band, right? So. And so you and you
4: mentioned earlier where it was like, obviously there was, uh, you know, friction in your choices that you were making, either from you know whatever stylistically what you were into, and I presume like a lot of the decisions you were making were just mm-hmm. like school's not that important. It's like you know no parent wants it. it's like oh gosh like great I got to I got to deal with this now right? Um, so like how were your parents kind of reacting to that stuff as you were kind of just like. Oh yeah, I just don't. You well, know. that's the
5: thing, man. Yeah. My mom has always been extremely supportive of, sure. of all of my endeavors. She's always totally had my back. My mom's my best friend. She's just she's awesome. Okay. Um, my dad is very much the opposite. My dad is very. Your dad like, is
4: a software engineer. Yeah, you
5: yeah. know he, he. And not only that, but my dad is old. My dad's seventy. So okay. My dad was a uh, special forces green beret in Vietnam. My dad went to college. My dad did all of the normal kind of like, uh, you know, straight laced type steps to Absolutely. being successful. You sure. know what I mean? A plus B plus C equals Exactly. Right, sure. Military man, college man, businessman. That's it. Totally. So in his mind, and especially me being the only boy he's ever raised, because like I said, I have three other siblings who are all females. Yeah. so, Me being the only guy, I I think he put a lot of pressure on me to be successful and to be the sort of man of the house or whatever. Of course, of course. Which I understand now. But at the time, I think it was was this thing where he's also just not very (laughs) – I love my dad, yeah, but yeah. he's probably, kind of probably in, not very demonstrative in his love for you. Yeah. He's not like the most loving person. Of you know. And yeah, yeah. he's very, he's very much just like, this is what it needs to be. It's my way or the highway. Sure. Shit. It's fine. I get it. Right. Right. We've moved on from that. Sure. But, sure. So, you know, at the time, like it was a big deal, you know, because when I, when I moved away to college, he was really, really proud of me. Right. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Like my dad's proud. And then when I dropped out of college, I've never seen him more angry with me in my life. Like it was yeah. really, really gnarly um, to the point where I, like we didn't even speak for like, I think like six months. Like we just, we weren't really, I lived under his roof and we didn't speak. Just, yeah. It was like really, really weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he was like not stoked about that. And he hated the idea of me like just going and trying to be a musician. Cause he, I don't think he really understood that it could be something that was worth pursuing you know yeah um and so yeah that like that was definitely one of the like i said earlier like one of the big driving factors behind wanting to make movements a real thing is because i wanted to prove to him like hey of course this is a real thing yeah 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 um and you know some of our earlier music is about my sort of struggles with him and and Mm -hmm. our relationship and um it was tough man yeah it was it was really difficult kind of dealing with that because i just wanted to like show him like hey like i am not just some fuck up like i'm not like i'm not out here like wasting my life like like being addicted to drugs or fucking like right. you know throwing all my money away like on some stupid shit it's like i'm doing something that i care about and i'm doing something that i'm really like i had that i really feel like could be like really important and sure. i wanted to do it you know of course so, of course for him to kind of always just sort of you know Poo poo that idea. Yeah, yeah it, it was, was like
4: that's Patrick. That's just none of this makes sense. Yeah, oh, yeah what are you doing? It yeah, was yeah. it was tough. Yeah, it was really, absolutely. it was really
5: difficult to deal with that. So, and, um,
4: I, and well, and I mean, no matter what level of success that you achieve with movements, um, you
0: know, like I'm baseball fans.
2: it's got standard third row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit Hyundaiusa.com or call five six two three one four four six zero three for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
4: Sure he understands like you said, you've built a bridge and you've got over it now. Right. Like he understands it, but it's just like your like his level of success when it comes to like music is so different than what your level of success is, and you're like, yeah, we were on the warp Tour. He's just like, that doesn't matter, like, yeah, you know, like right. And, and so there's always going to be that that sort of you know you're always yearning for your parents' approval, right. even if they don't understand what you're doing, and mm-hmm. you're, you're like you try to give them little insights, like yeah, like we sold at the Glass House, and it's like okay, like okay, and yeah, like, <laughs> but it, it's so I I understand that struggle, but it's like you know no matter what, like you know if you're the Rolling Stones, then he'll probably understand that right but like that's that's not your personal (laughs) totally (laughs) yeah no totally that's not your battle plan
3: yeah um in a world where everyone is confined to their homes society begins its largest bin watch to date in the hallowed library of hulu or perhaps on a shelf of dvds you haven't looked at in a decade is a show that perfectly encapsulates life in the early aughts and launched a friendship that would inspire millions hi
4: And so, you know, kind of fast forwarding where, you know, once these opportunities started to come up with the music that you started to create with movements, like you said, you know, Fearless was interested. And like, I know at one point, Hopeless was interested. Like, How were you, because like, you know, pretty much I would imagine the first two years of the band's existence from, you know, tour opportunities and all of these business things Mm -hmm. that you've never encountered before. Yeah. And obviously you had, you know, good management, like there were people involved that so it wasn't just you and your bandmates making these decisions. But like, was it just like super overwhelming to like, or like, was there like, did you feel, I guess, that kind of like, are we making the right decision by saying yes to Fearless? It
5: It was really overwhelming. I think, um, I... I've always been bad about the business side of stuff yeah. when it comes to our band. Like I I get really overwhelmed when it comes to the business side of things. I learn things every day about how the music industry works sure. to, even to this day, you know, of I'm course. still learning how it all works. Totally. So throwing us into a situation where none of us had ever even seen like right. what like what is a three sixty deal? Like what is like what is all of this stuff that we're being offered? Because yeah. we just had no clue. You guys were just booking shows. Like, yeah. That was that was the extent of your knowledge. Yeah. Um and so we did have a manager at the time and and he was, you know, helping us kind of through that process, but he was also sort of in the on the same page where it's like he had never managed a band that had gotten
6: Offer. to the yeah, yeah sure. gotten
5: offers like we had gotten and and so we were all kind of navigating that you know with each other and yeah you know uh fearless and both hopeless were interested in i was actually at first i, I was actually like more on board with hopeless i think we all kind of were at first because sure. they were the first label that we met with we really liked them like everything that we thought we wanted we were like yeah like that's that feels right that feels right and then fearless got into the mix and we were like oh shit like now there's (laughs) There's a choice there's a choice (laughs) like what do you mean and i was like i was like i don't know like i feel really good about hopeless like i think i think that might be the move and then like the more that we talked with fearless like we kind of like our minds started changing and then they were like we'll get you, will yip. And we were like, well, fuck. Like uh, now we have that's to go. What with we <laughs> like, so, um, yeah. So it was crazy, man. Like just, just going through contracts and, and mm-hmm. having to kind of like say like, Oh shit, like this is real. You know, like this is like, th- we're signing something that legally binds us to this deal. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is a fucking, business move, right? But yeah. It was big boy stuff. It was really crazy. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think we did an okay job, of, yeah. of figuring it out. Um, it, it definitely would not have gone as smoothly if it weren't for the people that were involved behind the scenes. You know, yeah, our management yeah. and, um, you know, our, our like our agent at the time and and everybody who was involved in doing all that stuff was like so beneficial. And we've been super super lucky to have like all the right people in Good our people it, to in, in our corner. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, like, yeah. um, yeah, it because I I hear horror stories, you know, about bands who get involved with, like, shitty managers or 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 people who just want to fuck them over. And I'm just like, damn, I'm so thank glad God, that yeah, never happened happen to us. Because like, yeah, well, yeah. like, we we had no idea what we were doing. It totally could have happened to us. Absolutely. And the fact that it didn't, I'm just like, I thank God yeah. that didn't happen. I'm like, dodged a few bullets fuck, that way. Yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs> the, uh, so then as you started to... You know, I'm sure you had a vision of like what touring was like, mm-hmm. where it's like you know you just kind of see out there and you whatever you watch some clips on YouTube or you know you know, watch right. tour videos or whatever. Yeah. What was the most surprising thing to you? Not even so much the fact like oh there's like 10 people at the show because like you, you didn't have any yeah. expectations, but like what kind of shocked you or surprised you as you started to get out there? Because you were what like 18,
5: 19 when you first started to yeah, kind of I was get, 19 when we first started right. On so tour. it's like
4: you know ostensibly like. You know, it's a few years older than what, like, because you know when you're. I mean, granted, it's not like there's a huge difference between when you're 16 and when you're 19. Right. But like when you're 16, you've got like literally no life experience whatsoever. Right, when you're 19, yeah. you're like, I got a
5: little bit. So, exactly. What surprised you? Um, I think the 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 biggest thing that surprised me about touring was that um, how little you actually see the other bands. Like I was. I was, like, always under the impression that, like, oh, yeah, you go on tour, like, everybody caravans, like, to, like, the next venue and stuff. Like, you all, like, drive together. You all, like, stay at the same places and stuff. I was always under the impression that that's how it worked. And then our first tour ever, it's, like, we would see each band at the venue, and Uh then we would not see them until the next venue. Like, like we didn't hang out outside of the shows. It was, like, it was strictly just the shows. And I was, like, oh, like, I wonder if that's how every tour is going to (laughs) be. And yeah, and that's how every tour is. I, that, uh, not, I, I mean, no, no, but I understand not all the time. I mean, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. we have made some very, very good friends in other sure. bands from touring. And, and when we can get together outside of shows on tour, like if we have an off day, we'll try and meet up and, and we'll try and do all the fun, like tour stuff that you see on YouTube, you know, but, um, yeah, cause I think that was my understanding of it from watching like tour recaps on online. Of like course. I would see like the bands pranking each other on the road yep. and like all this like funny Shooting shit,
4: fireworks back and forth. Exactly. At each other. Yeah, and yeah. I was
5: like, I was so excited for that. <laughs> and then that has never once happened. The the closest thing we got to that was one time we filled water balloons full of salsa and we threw them at one of the bands that we were on tour with Sure. and that was it. Yeah. But it and never they probably went. got super bombed. No, they didn't care at all. Okay. <laughs> the, the bummer part was when we got pulled over by the police and they were wondering why we had balloons full of fucking salsa in our van and they made us they made us take them all out and pop them on the side of the road because they thought they had drugs and <laughs> they're
4: like we don't believe you like this sounds so ridiculous you have salsa in there you for sure have cocaine pop those right now that's
5: exactly how it was like oh straight God. up they made us pop them all it was Ridiculous.
4: Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> and then, like, how funny is that, too? Where it's just like, oh, oh yeah, that, that is salsa. Like, yeah. <laughs> you guys, are like, yeah, we literally told you, like, yeah. we
5: weren't lying about Straight this. Straight up.
4: Um, much of the last couple of things I want to hit on was the, you know, the idea of like you know when you start a band you play a ba- play in a band and you start playing shows and you know you start to realize that like oh like people are obviously like paying attention to like me like the mm-hmm. vocalist the front person there obviously starts to be expectations that people start to have where it's like oh yes like i'm going to go up to pat and talk to him about right. his lyrics and especially when you are you know a band rooted in emotional lyrics like yeah. sometimes it's easier when you don't go down that path or whatever but it's like um you know that becomes especially when you're like I don't have anything under control. Like, what right. you know, I can talk to a 15-year-old kid, and I'm 20 or 21, but, like, I'm still a child. Like, I don't, I, <laughs> yeah. I know a little more than you, but I don't, like, I can, don't come to me for advice, like, right. or all that sort of stuff. Like, how did that, and I know you've spoken about, like, your, you know, the anxiety and, uh, you know, obsessive-compulsive disorder and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which is kind of a separate issue, but, you know, so how did you,
5: I guess, start to receive that attention? Like, was it? Dude, it was hard. <laughs> like, yeah. I... I don't like attention. I I've never been like the type of person who's been like ever wanting to be the center of attention. Okay. Um, I I much rather you you know would be like a less of a leader and more of a follower, you know, like even like when it came to like social situations, like being with like my group of friends, I would never want to be the one that like the focus was on. Like, like I would always get really uncomfortable, like even on like my birthdays and stuff, like when, when like the attention and the focus was on me, I'd always just get like, I would get so like, it's like, I hated it, you know? Um, so being, you know, putting myself in a position where most of the attention is now on me, it was weird, dude. It was it was really weird. And and for the first couple, of, uh, maybe the year, first year that we were playing shows and stuff, I had no idea what to say on stage. Of I course. didn't know how to like be a front man. I was always just like, oh, uh, yeah. Thank right. you for watching our band. We don't deserve it. Like, well, why do you like us? Like that type of shit, you know? Like, yeah. And I had like almost zero confidence. Um, and uh, yeah, that was like definitely like a weird transition for me but as i got more comfortable it Mm -hmm. became a little easier um i think the the thing that's been the hardest for me to kind of tackle though is like the idea that i am now this sort of like voice Mm -hmm. for uh you know mental health awareness and and this sort of like I guess like positive figure in in the scene, you mm-hmm. know. Um that is not something that I ever would have expected to happen. It's not necessarily something that I even signed up for. I it just sure. kind of I was thrust into that position. Um and so that becomes really overwhelming sometimes because I have kids that come to me at shows and they just pour their hearts out to me, man, and it's like I wish that there was more that I could do. Mm-hmm. But in my mind whenever i'm hearing people say things like oh like you saved my life or like i had i went through this and like your music helped me with that like i'm just like yo like that's amazing i'm glad that that can help but like i i didn't do anything you know like Mm -hmm. and i don't have the power to do anything further i'm i'm stoked that our music can help you but it's like fuck like i'm still dealing with my own shit every day you know and and trying to be like an advocate for all these other people it's like it it gets really really emotionally overwhelming mm-hmm. and like mentally draining you know sure. um so that's yeah that's definitely been like a tough transition and that's something that i'm still kind of like learning could, you, you know yeah i could imagine and i think i'm getting better at it i think i sure. i think at this point i've you sort of you probably know how to like respond to those like that that outpouring yeah like, i think you know. i think at this point i've sort of under, come to the understanding that like it's less about what I say and more so about what they're saying. And it's my job just to listen, yeah. you know, and just to let them know like that they are loved and that, you know, I am listening and I hear them, you right. know, um, because ultimately I don't fucking, I can't give advice to anybody. No. I can't, I can't, you know, just put myself in your position cause I don't know what your position is. So it's like, I will, I'll sit here and I'll listen to you pour your heart out to me and I will, Completely, I would love to do that for you. Of but course. Other than that, that's about all I can offer. Right. You know. Um. So once I came to that understanding that like all I have to do is listen, mm-hmm. and that's you know I think usually good enough. Totally. Um. You know, I think that's that's been a big sort of like help in right. that. You know. Yeah. So.
4: You you can you you can be a repository for whatever the person because obviously that. If a person is coming up to you with the intention of having that interaction, like you, you know, you understand the context. Like we're at show. Like you know, this is like we're probably gonna have maybe two minutes tops. Yeah. And so it's like being just that person, just like I'll listen to you. I'll be here for you. I'll hug you. Like whatever it is that you're looking for from this. Like yeah. I'm sure you've thought this out, um, but not to the extent where you're going to know how I'm going to react to the thing. So I'm going to be as like chill and subdued and I'm just going to, you know, rather than being like, okay, like, let's go out back and like, let's spend a half an hour together. Cause like, that's not sustainable. Like you'd be, you'd, you would be like, I can't, I can't even exist out here because people are going to be draining so much from me. Not saying that like, you know, people are just like energy vampires or whatever, but it's like, (laughs) it does become so overwhelming where you're just like, and then that's what obviously you see then your own mental health
5: slips because you're right. just like, oh,
4: I'm not being helpful enough or whatever. And then I'm like, should I feel bad that I'm just hanging out on the bus tonight or whatever, hanging out in the van? it's like, yeah. It just becomes a d- destructive
5: cycle for you. Ultimately. Totally. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely something that I've dealt with too is like the idea of like, am I doing enough? Like am yeah. I exerting myself enough for these kids? Like do, do I think that, or are they going to think that I'm ungrateful or that I like don't really care, you yeah. know? Because there are nights where I'm like, I just cannot go out and handle talking to people. Of course, you know I just need for night. my own health. I need to just go to my bunk and sleep because yeah. I cannot handle anything else right, right now. Right, um, and I worry about that. You know, I worry about what kids because kids literally will wait for hours after mm-hmm. the shows to talk, and and I love that. I love that they're so committed and that they are so like. Because I'm sure you
4: recognize that in yourself, too. Yeah, like, absolutely. yeah, I, I could easily like, be them in that situation yeah, for my favorite band or whatever. Straight up, yeah, you yeah. know,
5: and I totally understand it. I'm, but I'm just like, fuck, like I feel so bad some nights when I'm just like, I can't, you know, I totally. can't do it.
4: Right, right, right. It's, yeah, yeah it's a, it, it becomes a self-preservation thing where you're just like, well, I can be better for the collective.
5: <laughs> when I say better for
4: the collective, it's like I can be better for everybody else on this entire tour right. if I'm able to. Section some like section myself off for myself, right? In order to know, like, to have those uh, those those calibers to be able to be like, Yes, I can't do this right totally. now. Totally, so I yeah. completely understand. Um, the last thing I want to hit on was like, So, you, you are, you know,
5: you're a hardcore kid,
4: yeah, and it's it, it straight edge. Like, how, how long have you been? I've
5: been 20, straight edge for like seven years now, it's awesome,
4: yeah. Um, and so many people, like, you know, once you kind of go down the hardcore kid route, like mm-hmm. you always self-identify. Like, Absolutely. You know, like yeah. even, even though you could be playing stylistically music that has no attachment to hardcore whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And then obviously like the lines are blurred and whatever. Right. Um, so like, are people, I guess, surprised when they like find that out about you where it's just like, Oh dude, like, what uh, Pat well, I mean, you know, whatever. No, it's not like knock loose is like, yeah, a controversial band to be into, <laughs> but like, you know, just that that appearance.
5: Yeah, I think I think some people are still a little surprised. Um, I've always kind of like repped hardcore bands, though. Yeah. Like ever since ever since movement started, like I've always tried to like show my appreciation for for hardcore bands and especially, like, smaller hardcore bands that I believe in and that I fuck with. Um, Like, we used to... When when Movements was first starting out, we played a couple shows that, like, had hardcore bands, like, on the bill, and I would always try and, like, buy a shirt and, like, rep it and, like... Because I knew that, like photos of us would, would get, you know, some traction on the internet. And if people saw that I was wearing like a shirt from a band, they didn't know. I was like, oh, well, hopefully they'll look them up, you know? Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, have always tried to like make sure that people know, like I ride for hardcore yeah. and like, I'm like always going to like try and push it because I just fucking love it, you know? And yeah. I, and I want more people to love it. Um, But yeah, I do think there was like a little bit of a surprise still, like even last night, I went and saw sanction. uh, You're the knife counterparts and Stig Stig, at uh, at chain reaction, and this kid came up to me and was like, "Hey, can I take a picture?" I was like, "Yeah, sure, like cool, no worries." And then like later on in the night, like I saw him tag me in it, and his caption was something like, "Never thought I'd see Pat at a sanction show," and I'm in my mind, I'm like this is so normal. Yeah. This is a me. show I like, is, is, would go to this is a right. show that I would usually be at. <laughs> so, um, it was, it's just kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, I've always tried to make sure that like, I, um, let people know where my roots are, you know, because right. like it is a community that I care very, very much about. And, um, yeah, it's just it's important, you know. And yeah, I just love hardcore. So.
4: Well, I think that's really I, I appreciate you saying that the the idea of like you know not only repping it from a just like I just love this and like of course I want to wear this band's T-shirt or whatever mm-hmm. because like a lot of people would like especially people that play a different style of music than what it, they are commonly attached to or whatever. Right. I think it's so important because, like you said, like I, I, I so distinctly remember this. I was working at a record store uh, here in Orange County, Bionic Records, and I went to see No Motive. Like mm-hmm. they play, I can't even remember who else they played with, but it was it was a relatively big show at the Glass House um the guitarist was wearing a neurosis t-shirt and i was like that's sick like he's wearing you know in front of the sold out House, like wearing this neurosis t-shirt Yeah. the following day i was working at the record store a kid came in bought a neurosis cd that like ostensibly looked like he should have been at the show the previous night and i asked him i was like what i was like i was like not to dig too deep but i was like why are you buying this record and so then he told me he was like oh i saw the guy had no and i was like this is this thing in action. I was like, yeah. I was like, and I know everybody that's played in a band kind of thinks about that sort of internally, whether they vocalize it or not. And I think it's like, dude, it's so incredibly important because it's like the moment you know, you wearing an incendiary shirt on stage, mm-hmm. like, more people will be like, oh, I'll, I'll listen to that band exactly. now. And it's like, dude, that's the coolest. That's the best way. That's like the best advertising possible for hopefully, then you can take a person who is like, you know, 17 years old mm-hmm. and is only like a very topical knowledge of hardcore. You can be that like proverbial gateway to be like, oh, hey, here, check totally. out these hardcore bands. Like, yeah. And then uh, come, come join us over here. It's really good.
5: Absolutely, yeah. And that's, that's like a lot of what I try to do too is I just, I want to introduce kids to hardcore who might not have had a chance to ever hear anything like that. Yeah, you yeah. Um, I, I think that there's, especially now, I mean, there's so many good young bands coming up in hardcore that it's like this is the perfect time to if you <laughs> haven't listened or if you haven't been involved if you've never gone to a hardcore show totally. go to a fucking hardcore show right yeah, now. you know in. like yeah because there's so much talent right now that it's like why wouldn't you and totally um yeah i i just think that's so important especially repping the bands that are not gonna get as much mm-hmm. uh support or, or as much um exposure of course than, like some of these bigger bands are you know and, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah i think that's super super important yeah so, it is yeah it's- i think that's something that i'm gonna do probably in, uh, for as long as i'm you know in in what i'm doing i mean i'll always wear hardcore shirts <laughs> and stuff but yeah. but uh, i mean i think for as long as like i'm in the, you're like visible from yeah, yeah, yeah quote-unquote yeah. public eye of course you know i'm gonna try and rep <laughs> younger smaller bands like uh yeah i just went and saw this band magnitude like the other day they played with eco strike um they 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 hopped they're on tour with eco strike on that backtrack on they they hopped on that backtrack show yeah and i was like and i fucking love magnitude um and so like i bought an eco strike hat bought a magnitude shirt i'm (laughs) like okay cool like i'm gonna wear these and like if kids ask me about them i'm gonna be like yeah yeah like listen to this band and that's the thing too is like i've had kids Uh, It was actually really cool. Fuck. I just remembered this happened because that just like sparked my memory. I had a kid come up to me on our last headliner, um, which was this last spring. Okay. And he was like, you're the reason I'm straight edge. I was like, what? (laughs) It's incredible. He's like, yeah, like I found out about hardcore and I found out about straight edge because of you and I was like that is fucking awesome yeah. like that is so cool it's great um, and, I, and I've had other kids be like oh like uh, you know like we saw you wearing this shirt and we checked out the band we like it like what are three other bands that you are into right now that you want us to like check out and I'm just great. like fuck yes yeah dude. you're like mission accomplished yeah, yeah like that's so sick and um, you know there's a lot of kids who like knock loose and, and and it's weird because knock loose and, and movements have a lot of crossover mm-hmm. you know because we had we, we were on warp tour together we're Obviously, very close friends. Like we, we rep each other on the internet all the time. Yeah, and um, you know, I've had kids come to be me being like, "Oh yeah, like we love Knocked Loose." I'm like, "Oh, that's so sick!" Like, do you listen to any other like hardcore? Do you listen yeah. to any other heavy music? They're like, "No, they're kind of the only band we like." And I'm like, "Well, fuck! If you like Knocked Loose, like yeah. listen to these bands. Like listen to this band. You know, like like I just try and get them to like ex- expand their listening, you know, capacity, right? And try and get them to like." See what else is out there. Not mm-hmm. that I, I mean, I fucking love Knock Loose, but it's like no, there's right. so many bands that like are just as good that totally m- could, you, you know, that deserve that same exposure. Yeah, Knock you know? Loose is doing well. They're good. They're good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. they, they,
4: they don't need more fans right now directly from me. Like, I can, <laughs> I can expose some of the younger bands. They're fine. Yeah, yeah exactly. Good. But the, I mean, it's cool like, to put a button on that idea. The the fact that it's like you never know where people's jumping off points can be. Where it's just like I remember working with a dude who like, I mean, I've been straight edge for, you know, 20 some odd years Mm -hmm. and like hearing about his exposure via Davey Havoc. It is so awesome to see, I don't care how you get into it, who pulls you into it. It's like I you don't have to be like oh, I, I got introduced to Straight Edge via the same way every other person has gotten into it, either Earth crisis or you know, minor threat. It's yeah. like, dude, there can be a million leaping off points, and of course you go backwards and understand the roots and everything like that, but right. it's just like, it's just so
5: cool to be up there and be like, Oh yeah,
4: dude, I got into straight edge via, you know, pat for movements. It's so just like, that's yeah,
5: great, dude. it's the craziest that's- experience ever. Like that's straight <laughs> up. Like one of the coolest things anybody's ever told totally. me is like, man can break up at this point. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I could be, I'd fucking die happy. You yeah. Know? You're like, dude, vision accomplished. That's yeah. Cool. I got no. one kid to turn edge. That's, that's all hate, <laughs> exactly. No. Um,
4: yeah, it's really cool. I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, it's super cool. I love it. But, uh, Dude, thank you. Yeah, this has
5: been so much fun. I really appreciate. Dude, you thank out. you for having me. I appreciate you asking me to be on.
4: All right, that was Patrick. Thank you very much, Patrick, for hanging out with me with the show, sharing your thoughts, feelings, desires, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I just always appreciate that because people uh, don't need to do this show, but uh, it's it's not only fun for them, but it's fun for me, and it's fun I get to share it with you. It's just that that mutual admiration that we hopefully all have for one another. So thank you, Patrick. Love this discussion. Uh next month is very exciting because anytime I get to do a themed month and tie it all together, it makes me so, so happy. So the entire month of November is dedicated November, I mean October. That's what I meant to say. October is dedicated to the beautiful state of North Carolina and their hardcore scene there. Um, you know, predominantly leaning into the metal hardcore side of things there, obviously there's a bunch of other great music that comes out of there, but, uh, that's, you know, where I happen to personally meet a lot of people was obviously in the hardcore scene. So I have a stacked guest lineup that is going to be, you know, talking in depth about North Carolina, their experiences, and it's a wide variety of bands, um, you know, all kind of tangentially related to the hardcore scene. And it's going to be super fun. And the first guest is Tommy Rogers from Between the Buried and Me. He's kicking this off because he was one of my first podcasts I've ever done. And I think it was like episode seven or eight. And it's still to this day, one of the most popular episodes I've ever done. Um, and I wanted to have Tommy back because I mean, it'd been six plus years, but, uh, you know, the band has changed immensely since we spoke, you know, some six years ago. And, you know, when I toured with them personally with taken for, gosh, I don't know, it was like 12, 13 years ago, but, um. Yeah, it's it was a really, really fun chat. So he's kicking the month of North Carolina off because he was very involved, you know, prayer for cleansing from here on, between the barrier to me, so much fun stuff. So anyways, that's what we got. And uh, yeah, like I always tell you, please be safe, everybody. And as always, special shout out to Sonos. Go to the website, sonos.com, and check out their entire product line because they will have something that you absolutely need, including there's Sonos Move, which is the durable, battery-powered smart speaker for indoor and outdoor listening. I love this thing so much. Once I saw it pop up on the website, I was like, yo, I got to get this right away. It's so much fun. So go to Sonos.com, check out their website, check out all their specs, and your mind will be blown when you buy your first one. And you're like, I need 40 of these lining my house immediately. So thank you, Sonos, as always. And now, goodbye.
3: Hey, Miles. Yes. It's Jack. Drain from their soul.
0: Yeah, I think at The Daily Zeitgeist, we like to give people a balance of just enough news that they feel informed and just enough laughs that they're not overwhelmed and can have a decent day after listening.
4: So guys, listen to The Daily Zeitgeist
3: on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are given away for free.
1: The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference.